All right. So good to hear that music again. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a long while, actually. But that music, man, it has a way of bringing me back. You love the music, don't you, Fitch? It's a mood setter, Mike Moore. It's a mood setter. You know, you and I have been through quite a bit the last uh, three or four months. Yeah. I say three or four years. Yeah, there's been some stuff going on. <laughs> but it's so good to be back in, in the real world of Podcastville with Mike Moore. Yeah. Theology on Mission Podcast, the place where theology engages the questions of culture for Christ and his mission. Theology on Mission Podcast. All Here right. we are back again. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what kind of mood you're in, but I, I'm kind of going back and forth between a pensive mood <laughs> and a angry mood. Yeah. Where are you today? Yeah, I could put myself somewhere with, with the anxious and uh, frustrated. Yeah. Wait, what was your second one? Angry. Uh, angry. Yeah. And you know, you and I are not ever going to make light of what's going on at Northern Seminary. No. And we're not going to talk about it here on the podcast, folks, in case you were wondering most of what's going on and how God is working out things at Northern Seminary happens person to person Yeah, in real life. We prefer it that way, and I think God prefers it that way. But we did want to talk, I don't know about you, but I'm writing a book, folks. Actually, I'm not writing it. I've written it. That's right. I've pressed that magic button <laughs> that sent the manuscript off to the publisher, Brazos Press of Baker Publishing, Grand Rapids, Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> I don't know why I said all that. <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's kind of Trabian of you. You, <laughs> you, just, gave a, you just gave a great footnote. <laughs> but, but here we are, and the book is Reckoning with Power, and we wanted to have a podcast on when power goes off the rails. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I heard that groan. Because, mm. <laughs> you know, we're experiencing the ramifications of this at Northern Seminary. We're going to talk about it, even though you keep talking about it. Yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> I, I can't help but bringing it up in this podcast. <laughs> but, but and, and folks, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> Even though I keep talking about it, <laughs> we're not going to talk about it on this podcast, the specifics, because we really do want to honor yes. that we believe God can work through struggle and pain mm-hmm. and brokenness and disruption yeah. to shape a culture for his kingdom. And that's kind of like what we want to talk about on the issue of when power goes off the rails. So talk to me a little bit, Mike, more about what are we talking about when power goes <laughs> off the rails. It seems to be happening everywhere, and by everywhere we mean right where we're sitting at Northern Seminary. But but it's it happens in, in churches with pastors sure who go does. rogue. Yeah. yeah, it happens in Christian nonprofits. It happens with Christian celebrities, with Christian television shows, musicians, podcasts, uh, people in a, the academy podcast mm-hmm. we have plenty of examples of power going off the rails yeah and, and when when power goes off the rails we see this repetitively a leader digs in becomes abusive or maybe has already been abusive they and yeah can't see it you're, and saying, you're saying they dig in when they're 
confronted with their power? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And they are, they, they often, these leaders can't see it. The destruction in their path. They, it, it, the way they they use power gets justified. And so frankly, Mike Moore, I'm just going to say this, mm-hmm. this problem of power has occupied my mind and concern for years yeah for years and years from the from even before i wrote the great giveaway where i was kind of angry at the way the megachurch mm-hmm. power megalopolis yeah was taking over yeah part of that was church. part of that was your early experience working at a megachurch i had that experience too working at a mega church and seeing the way that power was misused and everything was kind of corporate and just these weird, bizarre ways of interacting with people and talking about conflict. So I want to talk about, I mean, we're not, I don't really want to mention a whole bunch of names, but there's a litany, mm-hmm. a long list, a long line of pastors that have gone off the rails. And, and, and when they were confronted, they, they did not repent yeah. I mean, you just kind of wonder what would have happened right? if James McDonald or Bill Hybels or the guy from Hillsong or... Oh, yeah. yeah. Or I don't know. There's a thousand by now. Right, it's right. kind of nauseating <laughs> and discouraging to yeah. even think about it. But you kind of wonder if once confronted, what would happen if you repented? Yeah, if you... If you humbled yourself, allowed yourself to become meek. I can think of situations in my own life, even in the last two to three years. Mm -hmm. When I was uh, accused of doing A, Mm -hmm. and it might have seemed petty to me. It might have actually seemed wrong to me. It it might actually, the first urge is to justify oneself. Of course. Oh, yeah. Or defend yourself or to explain your actions. But. In the one case I'm thinking that happened in the last three years in my life, mm-hmm. I just listened and I heard the dynamics. And I, I really don't know any situation where you've been accused of anything mm-hmm. where you cannot see some imperfection in your soul, right. some piece of brokenness, right. or some piece of pride. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way: some piece of crap in your life that you yeah. cannot confess Absolutely. and put before people, and and when you do that, man, mm-hmm. I mean, you in this age of antagonism, you might not win a lot, everybody over to your side, but right. you will make right. space for God to work in people's lives, including your own. Yes, yeah. If you don't feel like you have to defend yourself, but if you're willing <sighs> to submit and to surrender. I think that's true. At the bare minimum, it's an opportunity to step back, to look at yourself, to ask people in your life, hey, people are saying this about me. What, what do you think? Do you see this? Am I missing something? What am I not seeing here? How do I listen to you better and examine myself? At the bare minimum. Yeah, at the bare minimum. At the bare minimum, we can all do that especially those of us who are in leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I got to say, I have this phrase that keeps coming up in this book. By the way, the name of the book is, what is the name? Do you have a, do you have a title for this? Yes, yes. Oh. Finally worked it out with Brazos. 
Oh, well, my oh, love. I love the people, but they I changed the title on me. I have it. Oh, I, I don't Reckoning with power. Yeah. <laughs> Why the church fails on the wrong side of power, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that book, I talk about how the leader, the the one in uh, the, in a moment, I'm going to describe why I say perceived power. But the one in perceived power, mm-hmm. in power over, I don't believe Christians act out of power over. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> but the one in perceived power goes first, says, "I submit to you. I confess mm-hmm. this. I and it opens space for that power logjam." to be broken, and for the Holy Spirit to work. Yeah. Can you just hear me on that, folks out there? If you <laughs> can just confess your sin. You ever notice how revivals always happen when somebody gets up there and confesses yes. their sin? Yes. I, why is that? It's because the power, the worldly power gets broken and the Holy Spirit's power gets gets space to work. Mm-hmm. And stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Folks, we're in the midst of a major epidemic of power going off the rails. This is one of the, th- uh, one of the beautiful things about going to an AA meeting. Have you gone to AA meetings before, the open meetings? Yes, I have. And there's an acknowledgement of your inability to really do anything by yourself to be a whole person. You know, there's even some, I, I know this is going to trigger you, but there's some reformed liturgy. I think this is more like in the PCA, PCUSA world. They start out the service with a confession, which I have opinions on that. But the thing I do appreciate about that is it kind of places everybody in a spirit of repentance. It begins with repentance. And I'm just trying to... What what us Anabaptists like to call mutual submission. Why did you think that would trigger me, Mike? Well, because I said the R word. Uh, The R word. (laughs) The Reformed word. Uh, By the way, everybody out there, Mike Moore is Christian Reformed. Yeah, and, yeah. And I get along with him very well. It just goes to disprove the false hypothesis out there that Fitch can't love a Reformed person. That's right, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. And we mutually submit <laughs> to the right. Lord. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So anyways, so here we are with, with when power goes off the rails and what I think happens this is what i see churches doing in the book reckoning with power i use the example of harvest bible chapel but it it happens over and over again Mm -hmm. we either think it the the solution is dealing with the character of the leader the problem is the character of the leader not the structure around the leader Mm -hmm. not the way the power is being used or enforced or or enabled, it's the leader and yeah. his character. And you know what? If we can just solve that problem, everything will be okay. Yeah. We just need a better leader, yeah. with better character, Christian character. Yep. Use that power for Christian purposes, yes. and it will be okay. And if you yeah. can get a servant in there, get somebody who has good integrity, somebody who's honest, somebody whose moral character has been formed well. Just stick them in that spot and we'll be okay. The solution seems to be get the right, get the person with the right character in the leadership position and all will be well. Mm -hmm. I want to suggest that is a Band-Aid solution. Yeah. Because the structures 
of the power inevitably corrupt and attract and uh. and, if, and I want to say it one more time corrupt the character of the leader that's using that power yes okay. and attract and attracts attracts this is by the way this is Brian Class's hypothesis in his book that came out in the last 6 months called corruptible hmm. where it's the systems that attract the bad leaders i want to suggest a whole different way to look at this problem in a few seconds but the first solution is the character solution uh-huh and by the way i think andy crouch in his book playing god says yes we need people that are attuned to god to use power for god's purposes and this this he bases out of genesis 1 yes yeah 26 27 yep. but a yep. typical reformed approach yes by the way absolutely to understanding power it sees power power is something that's neutral right yeah. And that can be wielded. And you and I both know we have this word that we throw around called Niebuhr, Niebuhrian. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're a Niebuhrian. Mm-hmm. You say power is power and it just needs to be used or balanced correctly. There's no way of escaping it. And I want to attack that to the core. Yes. And say there's there's another way to look at this. But the other solution, I just yeah, want to say the yeah. other solution is part of the same solution, but I'll call it the culture solution. We can create a culture that holds power in check, keeps it on the rails, that that uh, alerts those around the person in mm-hmm. power to accountability issues in their lives and and doesn't spur on celebrity leadership uh, and, and play into that. We can create cultures like that. I suggest to you, Mike Moore, mm-hmm. that too is a Band-Aid solution. Because it doesn't get to the core issue of power itself and how power works to corrupt. Yeah. You're saying regardless of the policies in place, the checks and balances, if it doesn't actually deal with the power issue. doesn't deal with the power issue. This reminds me of something that I've probably said this on the podcast, so whatever. I'll say it again. Something that Cornell West said a couple of years ago when he was re- referring to Obama's presidency. He said, uh, black faces in high places isn't going to change a thing. And he was trying to draw attention to the fact that Black Lives Matter started when Obama was the president. And what he was really referring to is just because you can put the right person or the assumed right person, and, and this is not a critique on Obama, but the assumed right person in a place of power, it's not necessarily going to change the system. Exactly. And uh, by the way, Cornell, uh, whom we love here at the, at the Demon Contextual mm-hmm. Theology Program and the MA in Theology and Mission, uh, but Cornell is railing against the neoliberalism yes. Yes. that runs the government capitalist structures. Mm-hmm. And his complaint was Obama didn't call those structures into account. Right. Instead, he played them. Right. Okay. I got to now you're now we're getting off because we need another podcast on why I agree with Cornell, but why I think Cornell is unrealistic and all the reasons why nothing that Cornell says will work unless yeah. we have a church. You need a church, Jesus as I say. Christ as I say, you need a church. Yeah. To bring the government to account. OK, yes. so that's another story. Mm-hmm. Folks, sorry, we're rambling. We haven't been on the air for over three months. We got a lot to say. <laughs> we need this. 
<laughs> Even so, Mike Moore is repeating himself on Cornell West 52 <laughs> times, and that's okay. So stick with us. Okay, so let me just rehearse what I've said so far. We have a problem when power goes off the rails. Our, it is a repetitive situation. It's everywhere in our churches and our leadership structures. Okay, and the two most predominant solutions that are offered is the character solution. Let's just replace the person in leadership with the right character and everything. That power will be turned aright Mm-hmm. and be used to righteous pur- purposes, or the second solution is the culture solution. We need culture that doesn't enable celebrity leaders, that doesn't uh, that calls leaders into account, that keeps them on the rails. And I suggest <laughs> that both of those solutions are Band-Aid solutions yeah. that don't deal with the power problem that metastasizes beneath, that corrupts leaders, corrupts hmm. uh, organizations, hmm. etc. Yeah. All right. So, um, folks, uh, we've already gone too long on this, so we're going to have to turn this into another podcast. So let me just give a brief statement of what I think the key to the solution is. Get Mike Moore's brilliant analysis of it, (laughs) and then we're going to have to do another podcast. All right. Are you okay with that? I'm okay. All right. I suggest, folks, that the standard account of power is that there's only one kind of power in the world. And that we, the good people, must get on the right side of that power and use it to bring righteousness into the world. Power is power. That's the way it works. There's only one power, and there's no getting around it. Let's get a good person in charge. That's the standard account. Yeah, which goes back to Genesis. Humans created in the image of God were given authority and dominion. They're given power to rule. Let's do a podcast on those Genesis passages. Yeah. Next, Next podcast. Yeah. Bring Ingrid. Okay, but but I must say that standard account, I must call into question, because everywhere we learn from the beginning in Genesis that there is another power at work in the world. Yes. There is godly power. Godly power works relationally, works by the power of the Holy Spirit, works with and among persons. It's never coercive. This is godly power. And, and so we need to make space for another power to work and submit to that power. That is a completely different, that's an upending of worldly power. And until, and, and here's, the, here's the big deal here. When we use worldly power, power over coercive power, in the name of God, <clears throat> it becomes unhinged. Mm-hmm. Because you can't call a person who's working in the name of God to account because hey god told him to do this <laughs> why can't he do any it's like the putin complex yeah yeah i can do anything i want if god's on my side and this happens in the church all the time yeah and so the problem is we need to deal with the power solution the proud power problem mm-hmm. and we need a culture of a different kind of power yeah not worldly power godly power that's a complex yes piece. And I work it all out in this book called Reckoning with Power. But let me just say, Jesus makes it pretty clear in Mark chapter 10. He makes it pretty clear in Luke chapter 22. He makes it clear in about four different places. The Gentiles lord it over. Mm -hmm. Not so among you. The first Mm. shall be last. The one who seeks power shall be servant to all. This Mm. is the way God works in the world. His power. Heals, restores, renews, transforms. Yes. 
And so if we're going to deal with the problem that we have here when mm-hmm. power goes off the rails, we need to deal with the power problem Yeah. first, not just cover it over with a couple of Band-Aid solutions. Yeah. Hmm. Comments, analysis, <clears throat> questions, yes. pushback. <clears throat> Mike Moore. One comment and i'm thinking of this because we're recording this on wednesday and tomorrow is monday thursday i'm just mentioning this to kind of reinforce your point but this is not going to hit until next week no it won't but you know it's live time so it's on my mind i'm thinking about in john 13 when john writes that jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and he was returning to the father and he had loved his disciples to the end John also writes that he knew that the Father had put all things under his feet, that all things were put underneath Jesus. And so then what's the first thing he does is he goes and he washes the disciples' feet, which is power under Jesus, has all things put before him. And the way that godly power works when all things are put before you, Jesus shows us is by going and serving um, the disciples. So it just shows that the way that godly power works very differently. It works very differently, but it's still effective. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, the, the culmination of the gospel chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, you mm-hmm. know, where Paul says, this is the gospel to which I gave you. And then he tells the whole story of Jesus and his overcoming of sin, and death and evil. And then he says, and he shall reign until yes. all has been made subject. It doesn't. Godly power yes. it still gets things done. It get just gets things done in a totally yes. different way on a totally different time basis. Absolutely. Isn't it frustrating that it's been 2,000 years and he, he hasn't gotten evil under control? <laughs> but that's not the way God works. But he no. still shall yes. accomplish his purposes yes. eventually. Amen. Amen. And I'm, I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm also realizing, I think I said John, but I meant Matthew. So for all those Bible nerds out there, sorry. I wouldn't call it a Bible nerd who... who recognize that your reference is bad. <laughs> I say Bible nerds playfully with with a grin. You know, it's good to be a Bible nerd. Okay, it's good to be a Bible nerd. Yeah, no, it's not a bad thing. It's good to be a Bible nerd. Yeah. yeah. I wish I were more of a Bible nerd. Uh, absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today's podcast. We're going to do a second podcast on, on how to shape a culture in a different way than the ways I've just finished describing how to shape a culture into godly power versus worldly power. The power question's got to be the core of how we shape a church, shape leadership, shape a culture. And that's what we're going to talk about next podcast. Make sure to tune in. Perfect. On Theology on Mission. If you have it within your soul to give us a recommendation. Mm-hmm. What, what Are we on all platforms? We're on, we're on all the platforms, so... Give us a recommendation. Also, Sarah Coakley's coming in two months. Super you excited have to have her. You've got to sign up for that. It's going to be great. Is the breakfast sold out yet? I can maybe squeeze you in. I had some people emailing me this week. Might be able to squeeze you in. Yeah, uh, a ver- a ver- about 50. I think we have 50 or 100. Yeah, I mean, we it, it's 50. We, we, and we have 50 now, but we can maybe okay, try to squeeze you in. We don't want in. it to get too much larger than that. No, we want it to be intimate. We want it to be because personal. Because we want a, a, a time of question and answer and conversation there's some and dialogue great, with Sarah Coke. There's some great scholars who are going to be there who aren't even on the panel, who aren't presenting. They just want to be there. So if you just want to come and rub shoulders Hang with some. with the, the big dogs? Is the that what big dogs. That's right. Going to give us any names? 
No, I don't, no, I don't. no, no. Me later. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this is, you're going to be hearing this after Easter when we're living into the Lordship yes. the of Jesus Christ. We just uh, pray for goodness, restoration, mm-hmm. healing, reconciliation, transformation of not only Northern Seminary, but all the churches that are going through what we yeah, just Yeah, yeah. Do I have an amen? Amen. May we live in the resurrection power. It's over and out until our next Theology on Mission podcast. It's Mike Moore and Dave Finch. See you next time.